0: Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, a horror video game podcast and proud member of Play Disgusting's Bloody FM podcast network. I'm your host, Jay Krieger.
1: And I'm the other one, Neil Bow.
0: In this week, we're slashing and bashing our way through Dan Buster Studios' long awaited sequel to 2011's Dead Island with Dead Island 2 that sees a zombie outbreak ravage LA, and it's up to the zombified immune player to clean up the streets and find a way out of LA. This convo has uh, been a long time coming. Uh, ever since you were praising the game way back to last year during an episode of The Roundup. Right. And, uh, you know, much like Dying Light 2, uh, it was a game that it was basically like two ships passing in the night with me. Because every time <laughs> you would mention it or I'd see somebody else on Twitter mention it, uh, it was one of those things where I was like, it's zombies, it's first person, it's brutal as fuck. How have I still not played this game? And now I finally have all these months later. You know, I'm late to the party as usual, but uh, I'm very <laughs> excited to kind of Get to the bottom of what makes Dead Island 2 not only stand out for you, but a game that I would consider um, was not nearly as heavily praised even as it uh, perhaps should have been by the horror community from last year. Just with my you know ten or so hours with the game, but before we talk about the present, let's take a step back. And uh, I'm curious, you know, for you, you know, how do you regard the original Dead Island? Because uh, you know when that game was released, and not that it's changed much, there are hordes and hordes of zombie games out there. Yeah. Um, so for you with the original Dead Island, how do you kind of regard that one?
1: Well, you know, everyone around the time remembers the infamous e 3 trailer of yeah, uh, you know, that sold it as something that it wasn't. Um, <laughs>
0: but, uh, or that collector's edition bust of just a woman in a bikini, but no arms and no head.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think that was for Riptide as well. So it was like. So they went two for two in really selling that game in a very particular way. <laughs> really, some would say Techland maybe and not learned their lesson in certain <laughs> regards. <laughs> but, uh, but the thing about Dead Island um, was the idea was fantastic in, in principle. You know, the, you know, zombies on a tropical island thing—it's fucking zombie fleshy straight away. That's the thing that comes to mind. But having this sort of you know skewed uh, American take on it, I suppose is the best way to put it um that interested me you know american despite being made by europeans which is always a strange sort of filter to go through when you do it
0: at the same time that could be the thing that really sort of either exemplifies or just kind of like it's a more grandiose depiction mm. of what you know in a, a tropical island that you know has american uh, ties to it would be right that kind of ideal yeah. of I'm going to go on this big bolsters vacation, you know, be a new person or the person I always wanted to be for my five or six day vacation. And to really sort of give the player that uh, sort of exemplified, I think, was part of the charm, I suppose, of the allure of the original Dead Island, even if, uh, you know, the final product maybe was a little off the mark.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, most of what it does is fine I think it's just it's um technically not a very well put together game um it's very janky I mean Riptide was just worse somehow in that there were entire sections that were like console crashingly bad um which again was stupid because that sort of dove even deeper into this whole sort of you know sweaty jungly vibe and having like actual survival bits with you know making little bases to protect um people in and the music was better, and all these things were there. And yet, you know, the whole of Techland's run, you know, on Dead Island amounts to it felt like practice. And then, when you got to Dying Light, and they kind of made this game that blew everything out of the water uh, for these games, which is unfortunate. And I thought, if that's how we're gonna leave it, oh no, we didn't leave it there. Of course, we got spin-offs that had nothing to do with it that, that were absolutely reprehensible, like Escape Dead Island. Um, to this day, I just I don't. It's not fun at all. I mean, it's just embarrassing how bad it is.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah, so the legacy of that series just seemed to be, ah, uh, what could have been, and that's it. And then, of course, the sequels were to get made, and curses basically um, left, right, and centre. Game developers getting um, chopped out. I mean, I used to do a podcast with guy like, who actually played the original build of the original Dead Island 2 by um, Jaeger who made Spec Ops line, and yeah, it wasn't in a great state then either But um, so obviously when Dan Buster came in for this game they got to basically make it from scratch I think Cause, uh, it was still set in the same place but um, I think the original one was going to be more like the older games in terms of how it was structured which the lesson needed to be learned That was not the way, and I do think a big part of why we didn't get that version was Techland going off and making Dying Light and kind of going, there you go, it can be done right, we can do it right, and they also got the opportunity to build on that game and cultivate it over many years and make it into one of the best zombie games, especially in co-op, which was always the big draw with the original Dead Island as well. And again, like many games of its type, in co-op, it's not an entirely different experience but it makes it more enjoyable and feels more like the kind of game you're supposed to be playing but yeah i suppose it's because that first game really couldn't decide if it was going for schlock or drama and that first you know notorious trailer really didn't do it any favors because it was just it was far too high level for the thing it was and it's if it come out and sold me that it was going to be like is a Fulci-esque, you know, bananas, triple filtered idea of American zombie stuff. Then, yeah, great. I've been into that and maybe been more forgiving of the game it ended up being. But, yeah, it wasn't. Which is why this is all the more special, I think. Because I think what it does brilliantly is pretty much makes the game it should have been. Whilst sort of taking in some of the advancements um, from other games
0: yeah, you know, I played this game in my jeez sophomore year of college, and it was a game that I had a tremendous amount of fun with because everybody in the suite that I lived in bought it. So then it was like, yeah. okay, we're gonna pair up and play it. Um, and you know we'd take turns partnering with different people, different progress, and just like having a blast with the sort of Westman customization, right? Because we were all fans of Dead Rising and to see that come to fruition with the Westman yeah. customization in first person and the brutality that, you know r- of the results of that made something that was really fun and it's the type of game where I was like, yeah, everybody's into zombies at this point. We're all watching The Walking Dead and shit every other night or reading the comics and whatnot. So like this is kind of fueling that zombified craze. Hmm. And then I remember like two years later going back and trying to play the game on my own. I was like, oh yeah, this game was a lot of fun because we were, I was playing with my best friends and you know we're all drunk basically the whole time <laughs> because we're in college. And then playing it solo and trying to get back into it, the jank... Becomes a lot more apparent, right? Oh, yes. It's the type of thing where it's like, played it for another hour, maybe on my own, and then I was like, yeah, you know, I think there's probably something better use of my time I could be spending uh, spending it with, something like Dead Rising, right? Returning to that.
1: Yeah. Well, it goes back to what we were saying when we talked about Aliens Colonial Marines. It's like, yeah, any game as co op, no matter how good or bad, has something redeeming in being played in co op, even if it is just to laugh at what the game does wrong. And yeah, I think, yeah, that did disguise a lot of that and I think depending on how you came into this game really did sort of give you your opinion on what it should be I would have personally preferred it had been more like what Dying Light ended up doing which was, you know, yes you could still have co-op but it was also very survival based felt more dangerous and felt more like something you could play on your own without feeling like you're being punished for it, you know it, not just technically you know, I mean mechanically as well <laughs> Yeah, I think having people with you uh, to play it when the game came out would have been just is like the way you want to play it. I mean, me, I did at the time did not have the internet for it. Um, it would have been <laughs> fucking awful to play. So I, I suffered um, the bad side of that very quickly.
0: Yeah, you know, multiplayer is the type of thing that should make an already enjoyable experience that much more fun to play, mm. or that much more uh, strategic, or something along those lines, rather than sort of make it blatantly clear, oh, if I'm playing this in single player, that's a lesser version of the experience yeah. that was intended, uh, which unfortunately was the case with the original Dead Island. But, you know, in getting into Dead Island 2, which was one of your games of the year, mm. which we chatted about, um, I'm curious, you know, for you, like what is the most significant improvement from the original? You know, we're going to touch upon everything, but for you, what really jumps out as Dan Buster Studios, perhaps looking back at some of the missteps that Techland had done with the original and then moving forwards with their own take on Dead Island 2.
1: I mean, technically, for a start, I think it's just much a smoother ride. You know, it's, yeah, sure, it's not like, you know, polished to the hill running. And yes, it has its issues. But like, it's, I think we now live in a time where that's quite apparent in a lot of games of you know, many different shapes and sizes. So it, it doesn't hit quite the same way as back then, where it's like you didn't really care in the same way. Um, I think the biggest thing it takes away is that it learns from competitors. It learns from Techland of the past and Techland of the current, you know, and um, implements stuff from both those to, yeah, basically try and find a compromise between what we wanted Dead Island to be, what it was, and maybe the stuff that Techland did later and throws it all in there. I mean, like, um, I think the movement... It's like one of the big things, taking on that thing where they add a little of what Dying Light does in terms of like having a bit more flexibility. Having a drop kick button is always good. <laughs> yeah, you must have a drop kick, button. <laughs> and it does. Yeah, just that, and I think it's use of guns and melee weapons is probably the strongest out of any of those games. You know, Dead Island or Dying Light. I, it, guns don't feel like an afterthought. Yeah, you know, they, they feel integral, and the fact that you can modify them in the same crazy ways, uh, I think is good. What I like the most about it is it's still trying to be a video game first, you know, like that. It's telling a story. It's trying to be a bit absurd, but it, its absurdity only works because everything looks and feels and yeah, you know, it's also realistic compared to earlier games. Um, But, yeah, here you are able to make electric submachine guns and things like that. And (laughs) I love it. I love that it doesn't take itself seriously at any given point without going to slapstick goofiness that would have just kind of made it. That's the sort of thing you do if the game was not going to run well and you want to make it feel like it was on purpose. Um, Yeah, and also... Characters, I know there's like a weird fondness for certain characters in the old games, and you know, one of those makes an appearance in this one, but they were just pastiches. You know, I think it shows how far we've come since that game, you know, in terms of like character (laughs) development, um, even between Dead Island games with Riptide, and here it's just like characters are actually quite funny and fun. Uh, throughout you know and like the protagonist considering how many different protagonists are with these different backstories which all amount to the same thing you know they're all searching for the same, same thing but they have personality that makes you go oh yeah not just because of what stats they got i quite enjoy playing as this character you know it's um always the way with the game i you know, i i feel like it's almost a betrayal to go and play as a different character if you haven't like done everything you want to do with the, the one you're playing as <laughs> which is uh, it, odd as that might be it, it is just the way it, it sort of went for me um, I think when I played like preview build uh, I played as the same character all throughout that and then started again with the same one again when I did the full playthrough um, yeah, out of curiosity um, who did you have you, who have you been playing with so far?
0: I was playing as Jacob oh ah, yeah who would you play as?
1: I, I'm just trying to remember the name here. So it was it. Oh, it's Danny. So that was what I was going to say. Yeah, Danny, the Irish um, rocker chick, like that, you know, the punk rocker chick. She's just funny, you know, for that. Mm-hmm. Like Irish characters in video games, um, <laughs> they are. <laughs> if you think of um, literally Irish in Red Dead Redemption, that's pretty much what they all are. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's the depiction of Irish people. And no, she just feels genuinely like an Irish character, has a very great, cool pattern about her and very good about things, and yeah, I like that. It's like, sure, they, like I said, they all have their abilities and they do all these things, but yeah, I didn't expect to be fond of a character in a game that is, especially when you look at what many people have said about this game in terms of like, even when praising it, sort of giving it that faint praise of like, oh yeah, it's the best 7 out of 10 sort of thing, which you know, it's not like I'm not disagreeing with that as a thing, uh, as a rating or anything, but it's like, it feels a bit condescending. Absolutely, yeah. It's like, yeah, sure, seven out of 10. If you're viewing it from the scale of like, anything below seven is shit sort of thing, which I do not ascribe to. But no, seven out of 10 in the sense of like, yeah, this is better than I expected and I like what it's doing and it's not perfect, but it's great. You know, if I watch a movie and I give it three and a half stars, you know, the equivalent of this, it's not that I hated it you know, at all. It's like, I found it really enjoyable. It's just, you know, I've seen a lot of fucking good movies. <laughs> it's like, you know, you are going to have to fight to compete with that. And, you know, in the case of Dead Island 2, it's like, I think Dying Light is the first one, especially is like the pinnacle of that. And Dying Light 2 does some interesting things too. But oh, this is like the best possible version we could have got of, dead island you know finally all these years later and I think that needs to be appreciated about it because if it was trying to be more modern it wouldn't be that anymore it wouldn't be what it is and I think you'd miss the point I think the whole part of this thing from developer to game was about redeeming and redeeming yourselves and making this thing that was supposed to be undoable doable And, and such a journey you know for the game and for the d- d- developer as well which unfortunately um side effects have come since they have uh, not been so great for the offshoots so just to sort of explain here uh, danbuster studios were formerly pretty radical who made time splitters and of course had a very torrid time when they made haze um and basically just got the grunt work at crytek for many years before being sold off um and then they did stuff like helped out on Homefront: The Revolution. They took it off on that project from someone else, and they took this project on from someone else. And I think it felt like they were getting a hiding to nothing. Whatever they did, you know, it's every project they get is given. It's like that. And then you know, this they obviously were doing well enough at this that the parent company like let them remake Free Radical as a separate company to go and make a new Time Splitters. And then this turned out really well, you know, successful for what it was, and. That was nice. I, it was nice to see Dan Buster finally, like, pull something off and, like I said, annoying that it didn't get quite the praise it should have in that for what it was trying to do. But the ultimate reward being like, oh, maybe they can get back to doing what they were doing. And I, which, you know, fair enough, they already had a separate studio to go and do that now again with the original creators. And then, of course, that studio got canned before any game got made as well. So it's uh, <laughs> it, one of the you know one of the many, many, many horrible axings of companies uh, in recent months and years, as it goes. But uh, that one was especially cruel for the way Free Radical and Dambuster had it over the years. So hopefully, Danbuster get to continue in that regard.
0: Yeah, you know, I think for me. As somebody that has spent probably the last two and a half, three weeks playing this game, getting to refamiliarize myself with just the original Dead Island, watching some video of, of that, and then reading reviews of Dead Island to, mm. um, uh, you know, to kind of build off of your comment about just like the best seven out of ten you'll play or something like that, which some people were saying, right? It felt incredibly condescending because while the bar was pretty low, I think, in terms of, you know, having an actual continuation of dead rising Hmm. uh dead island excuse me and you know to see the game that we got it's like yeah it's building upon the core concepts from the original but it it just it feels so much more well realized the production value i would say quite literally from compared to the original is staggering not to say that it's setting a new bar for like the subgenre or just you know zombie games in general but you know looking at and trying not to always compare it to Dying Light, even mm. though that is, you know, the, the obvious comparison, but just looking at a game that is quite literally the best version of the original, but at the same time, you know, I would say comparing it to other games that are either trying to be in, well, it's not open world, it is sort of semi-open world, right? You know, just seeing the level of polish, and I think that what I was surprised by was the while the game itself is not, open world to the degree of like a far cry or something like that. The decision not to go that route, I think actually makes the game as a whole
1: Hmm. a lot
0: more cohesive and a lot stronger. And it lets the game have a level of polish to it that I think eludes a lot of games that are like, well, we're just going to make it bigger and bigger. Right. That seems sometimes to be the obvious route to go with a game such as this, but in sort of having a little bit smaller environments, it lets the world, it lets the characters, which I totally agree, you know, in a game such as this, I was going in and I was like, yeah, I'm, this is a game I'm probably going to skip through every cutscene because it's going to be just fucking gibberish in my ear and <laughs> get an objective marker and whatnot and go straight to it. But there's so much personality in the characters. It's something that, again, when you have a game that mostly dabbles in something that's open world or semi-open world, it's kind of like, yeah, this is basically just a, skill, a different skill tree, right? And the character yeah. themselves probably won't impart much different from the other you know, four or five characters the player can choose from. And, as you said, each one of these characters, and I played with a couple of them the I played probably the first hour with three characters, and then stuck with Jacob for the rest of my time with the game, just to get a taste of like yeah. how that how much that actually matters outside of gameplay, and you know, there are characters that are able to have their own personalities, they react differently to things, even if generally you know this narrative unfolds in a linear fashion. It's nice to get that extra bit of flavor on top of. Having different skill trees, having different abilities, having different sort of facets to combat that get to shine differently based on who you're playing as. And with somebody like Jacob, you know, again, there's enough dialogue differences there and enough hmm. personality and genuine personality at that, that I didn't end up skipping through cutscenes. I was listening to things because it's a character that actually, you know, you begin to. I I don't know if I would say so far as, like, to care for, but it's a character that you're interested to see how they're going to react to things because you become invested in just their personality. You're either going to vibe with the character or not, and you'd probably change if you weren't. But, you know, with a character like Jacob, it's like every interaction that he has either was humorous or it was sort of dark because of the sort of reality of their situation and whatnot. Um, And it made for dialogue that was much more memorable, even if, again, not to say it set a new standard or anything, but... Um, you know, I feel like with so many games such as this, that typically will try to be more expansive, be larger than life. Um, the dialogue ends up being the thing that is the most forgettable because it's just kind of like, okay, we're going to put a little bit of an accent on this character or that character and have them go through and say basically the same thing. But there's enough variation there that I think there's more than just information being given to the player. It's usually, you know, humorous or something along those lines, which again, humor in games is such a difficult thing to do because of, either whoever's writing doesn't have a great sense of humor or, you know, they think that humor means, Oh, we're going to have a character that has something cringy to say about, uh, everything that occurs. And it's very reactionary, but there's a genuine, I think, uh, sort of direction with each of these characters that, you know, is if anything heightened by the fact that they each play differently a little bit, right? The fact that you have that perk system effectively, um, that gives them different abilities and different factors in combat, um, and there's enough variation there and variety there that i think that it actually allows players even if you get locked into a character who has a specific set of strengths and sort of uh, i suppose weaknesses also in combat but there's still enough wiggle room there that you don't feel like you're solely locked into one facet of combat like with somebody like jacob he really excels at a lot of quick hits and gets damage modifiers based on how many times i can hit a zombie in quick succession which you know that is benefited by having a lightweight uh, weapon, like a knife or something like that. That doesn't mean though that I can't use a heavy duty bulldozer weapon or a heavy duty uh, maiming weapon, um, which I was a fan of because sometimes when games have a, cl- a character class system, I don't know, maybe five or eight hours in, sometimes I feel, oh, I'm locked into this one specific playstyle, mm-hmm. And if I don't lean into that as hard as possible, I'm going to have a rough go of it for the next 10, 15, 20 hours. But in Dead Island 2, it felt like there was enough variety, even within a specific character because of the unlocks and the new perks that you get along the way, that while they do have those specific strengths, it's not the end-all, be-all, I think, of player strategy, uh, which makes combat feel a lot more fluid and allow the player to kind of play around with the variables to meet where they're at in a given sort of run or in the sort of uh, campaign progress they've been making or who they're playing with in multiplayer.
1: Yeah, is it? And, you know, I think one of the things that is a great equalizer without it being like ruining individual characters is having the environmental and elemental damage systems that you can basically make traps on the fly. Um, the more you unlock, obviously you get these furables that are basically, you know, timed things like uh, Molotovs so that you don't forge them. They just, you have a timer basically for them to come back and you have that, you have like, bait bombs that basically can attract you know, a bunch of undead to an area to, so you don't have to deal with a hassle of them. And all these sort of things. But also in the world itself, you know, the weapons and the environment have everything from toxic stuff to fire to water and it's all, you know, obeys the usual laws, you know, like that. It was like, oh, puddle of water, your electric um, machete, just smack it on the floor and any zombies in the puff, yeah, will get fried nice and good. It's a system that never gets dull you know yeah I, I think and when you get caught in a tight spot using your environment like that is really fun you know i think uh adds a lot to it you know, just like finding a car battery and just chucking launching it out a puddle for instance as well it's just another one of those great sort of things um like uh, getting a jerry can full of gas and like you're able to pour stuff as well with, uh, around a certain area to sort of build the traps yourself where you want them. So yeah, that, plus your growing arsenal of abilities, like I said, like the drop kick and things like that, and the fact you can dodge and block and all these things, especially as the enemies sort of uh, you know, evolve and you get different types and stuff, it really does just start to open up and become quite varied and fun. It doesn't feel as one note as it once did you know it's a it's not like smack this thing smack this thing smack this thing walk away you know now it's like you have you know the stuff that you need to do and i think yeah story-wise it takes this turn in the middle that is um eerily reminiscent of one in dying Light two i mean the fact that comes in the middle of the game and is the exact same plot point uh, is uh, unfortunate but you know I'd argue that it probably deals with it slightly better and given the you know, the slightly dafter nature of this game compared to that one, it can lean into it a bit more because right? everything does feel more comic book, I think, in a lot of ways, the, the way it uh, goes about things. But yeah, that, that combat system is just fun for those reasons, but the biggest reason it's fun, and you know, the thing I've talked about every time I've talked about this game, is the flesh system. Which is where the, hitting the zombies and doing whatever you do with them in certain things causes their skin and bodies to react. You know, like so swing a cricket bat at their jaw, it will go off to the side and hang off. Like that'll just be hanging there. Same if you break an arm it will look all broken, you know, their skin will burn to a crisp if they get electrocuted or caught on fire. Uh, they will melt effectively with acid and um, <laughs> you know, which I think they show in one like uh, cutscene really well i think just before a boss fight when, you know, when, when one just melts in front of your face it, and again that just adds this extra level of variety to that as well you're constantly just finding these uh, fun ways to just maim these zombies in, in horrible horrible ways
0: yeah you know that's probably my favorite aspect of the game Um, and something that we're going to unpack a little bit more or a lot more actually um, when we come back from our quick break. So we'll dive more into that flesh system. We'll dive into sort of the use of environments in this semi-open world game um, and probably chat a little bit more about sort of the overall narrative of this game and sort of what it's able to do to maybe distinguish it from some others, but at the same time, maybe be uh, beholden to some of the pitfalls I think of the size of this type of experience. But we will talk about that and more in a moment and we are back from our break and you know diving right into that flesh system which um i'm writing an article about right now for uh, dread central because it was just the type of thing that you know you had told me about it plenty of times i'd seen video of it but there is such a quality to the combat in this game that i think makes me overlook some of the structural issues that i think are inherent of mm. it being the semi-open world game where missions effectively are a series of fetch quests right and primarily with like the side quests and everything which you know it's not the best that we're kind of like overly relying once again on that kind of structure but at the same time when getting from point a to b is as consistently engaging and fun and not getting burnt out on combat as it is in dead island 2 it didn't end up being nearly as big of an issue for me just because i was kind of expecting that structure but at the same time getting from a to b is so goddamn gory and fun and continually you know, based upon what environment I'm in, and as you mentioned, you know, the elemental factor of that, right? Environments are basically these like big elemental playgrounds of destruction where, um, and I think that the fact that you can rely on either those jerry cans lying around or cans of water or cans of acid and these things, it really doesn't allow any weapon, and the weapons, of course, in this game have that rarity scale from yeah. uncommon to rare to legendary or whatever, It really doesn't allow anything to be the type of, I suppose, level of rarity you can turn your nose up at because by the end of the game, I was still picking up uncommon weapons or common weapons rather. So that way I had something I could chuck at a can and not worry about having to pick it up in the middle of a fight, Um, which if anything is a really sort of ingenious way to force the player to continually recycle and use all levels of gear um, throughout, whether it's the first hour or the last hour of the game, which... Again, you know, when you're talking about combat that for some games, it's like, okay, by the fifth or 10th hour, I'm starting to get burnt out on it because it's the same repetitive thing. I appreciated the inclusion of the various environmental factors that then have a big effect depending on what kind of special infected zombie you're fighting. Um, and, the, you know, in terms of that flesh system, holy shit, is that not the most Fulci-esque approach to oh. horror combat? in a horror game or a zombie game primarily, right? The fact that, you know, you have the maiming aspect where if you aim at a limb and you hit it hard enough with the right type of weapon, it completely renders that limb immobile uh, for the zombie, which, I mean, that's the best crowd control system I think I've seen, specifically in a zombie game, right? The fact that I can get backed into a corner, have a big, you know, whether it's a sledgehammer or something like that, and have a heavy attack swing at a bunch of knees. And all of a sudden, all these zombies are crawling around at my feet and I get a lot of breathing room. Um, That just ended up being sort of like my go-to strategy. But at the same time, it wasn't like the end-all be-all of engagements because then you have the variety of special infected and whatnot. And it's really just how you're able to balance the flesh, the, flesh system, balance your inventory of specific weapons with the various upgrades which we can get into. And then at the same time, sort of like managing the hordes. Okay, I'm going to take out this group of shamblers real quick so that way they're crawling around and then I can focus on like the heavy hitters or something like that. Um, And that ended up being an aspect of the game that, again, just kind of like made combat an element that I never grew tired of. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if, you know, by the end of my experience, I had my sort of wheelhouse of the one, two, three strategies that I was using. But again, I wasn't being faced with the same kind of endless hordes, if you will, of like, a dead rising and granted these games have very different focuses on the types of zombie experiences but i was just appreciative of a layer of complexity or challenge to combat that was continually sort of evolving i think based on the environment that i was in which i was just super uh, sort of thrilled with
1: yeah i mean two early examples of like how the game understands you know environments and locations to be playgrounds for what you want to do. I mean, the fact they split everything up into areas. They're all wide open. They've lots of things to explore in them. But they each contain arenas, effectively, no matter where you go to do what you do. And two of the early ones, um, in terms of, like, set-piece style, is when you go to the hotel and you go out to the pool that's been, like, irradiated and all that stuff, and the toxic stuff, and um, you get to use that and the surrounding environment. It's basically going round and round, knocking as many zombies as you can into the... <laughs> just, to, just to melt them, because it's just... Yeah. yeah. delicious in the way it's done. And I think later, um, when you go to the movie studios, and you have that sort of siege thing before you can get in the lift, where you've got to, like go around the different sets in the area, um, set off sprinklers to sort of uh, electrocute the enemies in the area and stuff like that. It's just smart use of the space you know and you get to learn quickly that there's a lot in there that you can sort of do more than one thing with and you know it's, it's quite early on in sort of getting your throwables and stuff so you get to sort of use them as backups yeah I, I i must say throughout the game there are just great examples of like using the space um one of the late game ones in um like the mall you know the small shopping mall yeah, you know, I like that. That it wasn't like going for the sprawling Dead Rising style shopping mall. When it got to that point, it was like a, a more, a, a humble sort of one. But it was still quite large, and still felt you know, really like this big environment. I mean, we'll probably get onto it at the end. I know you haven't played it, but the the DLC, uh, expansion house is just like takes a lot of the ideas of these, sections and turns it into just like this one big one. Like that, it is literally a fucked up playground for throwing whatever it can at you into this. Yeah, it reminds me of like an arcane sort of thing, you know, with like having this just, here's an environment. We put everything we needed in it. All the details are there. Go nuts. Do this your way. And it's like, I like that because you could see it now in retrospect in those moment to moment things. I think that could be so easily lost. I think in the way this game plays, especially actually in co-op, I think you might lose sight of quite how good the environment is for fucking up the enemy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, that was probably my biggest surprise was just how well apocalyptic LA is sort of uh, rendered for Dead Island 2's specific brand of, you know, Mm -hmm. zombie brutality. Um, Because initially I was kind of like, okay, like, what does that really mean? I'm just going to be running around another city. But the variety of environments, and the two you mentioned I think, were the two examples that I had, right? The movie studio, um, and then also just, I think, an aspect that I liked that really did sort of feed into this idea of um, sort of like the posh part of L.A., if you will. Mm-hmm. You're running around these windy back alleys, and then you get to fight in these mansions and whatnot. And, you, you know, one of the first mansions you come across Uh, Is very clearly like a YouTube streamer's mansion. uh, Something along the lines of like the Paul's house, I'm sure. Yeah, Um, And it was like, there's one room that you find early on where it's uh, a video camera and then a whiteboard. And it's for somebody that's recording an apology video. And it tells them like when to (laughs) pause and cry or something like that. And just like the fact that they use the setting from a narrative standpoint, that's pretty funny. But more importantly, how it is still the perfect playground for... You know, drop kicking them into pools of acid or, you know, just maiming them or kicking them off of a high rise of oh, just you know, this, kicking this bungalow thing, kick, or whatever.
1: Drop, drop kicking them out of anything is just like one of the most satisfying feelings. Oh, I mean, like, it's
0: ridiculously fun.
1: Yeah. I mean, in here, especially, especially in L.A. where you've got these big fucking windows and stuff. in Yeah. The interiors, yes. and you could just like fucking it. yep. take a running jump out of them and drop kick them flying yeah. out. And of course, with the flesh system as well, just to, if they connect with like the balcony or something, you just see them go... <laughs> like that and just go flailing over like limbs all over the place it's just it is just a sandbox effectively in that regard you you just keep finding these fun little things or moments of like grisly slapstick
0: yeah and you know that ended up being the aspect of not only the flesh system but like the finisher system too right it's one thing where you know you down enough zombies and you get to stomp on their head in slow motion and their head explodes. It's like, yeah, that's all well and good. But I loved the weapon-specific finishers mm. um, because, you know, it, no matter what weapon you're using, if you end up downing or getting enough damage onto a zombie and you get that finisher, something like the meat tenderizer, which I had electrified naturally. <laughs> um, and you, basically, you turn into Wolverine and the finisher is you get to basically punch through a zombie's face pull back your forearm and you just stare at this gaping hole where their face used to be for, you know, like two seconds or whatever. And that was consistently rewarding because of the fact that, you know, again, you can hold as many weapons as you can, which is completely ludicrous. But for this game, it's the perfect variety and sort of uh, different flavors, if you will, of Carnage because, you know, you can have the different classifications. Each of them has their own finisher. Um, But then the ways in which you can use that with the environment itself, like When you're on top of this uh, mansion, which has this sort of like nightclub layout uh, patio up top, there are these like space heaters, these massive Mm. space heaters. And when you're fighting this horde, I can just take this like wrench or whatever, throwaway weapon, throw it at the space heater, blow it up. And all of a sudden, all of them either get eviscerated from the explosion or it breaks the glass that they're standing on. They fall through to the bottom level, which gives me more breathing room, which could also maim them. So then they have to crawl up the stairs to get me. Like there is... It's one thing like when you talk about arena based games and for me personally, I tend to view those as being like, I don't love being locked into an area sort of thing. And typically the arenas themselves, like the design of those uh, environments yeah. is not always the most creative. It's kind of like, okay, I'm in a gladiator arena basically. But with Dead Island 2, you know, there is more personality or I would suppose environments are more reflective of a singular location as we've been saying and it just it makes the environments a little more, bo- a little bit more unique, and overall just more entertaining to be in them. That even if I'm not literally locked into them, um, there are spaces that I don't want to leave because I want to find yeah. out how I can sort of manipulate them more so to kill as many zombies in as fucked up ways as possible.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that is basically the mission throughout.
0: <laughs> yeah, and when it's as satisfying as this is, um, it doesn't end up being the type of thing that I go. Gr- I grew tired of. Uh, I'll say.
1: Yeah, and I think if we're going to sort of look at um, where it maybe does get a little tougher, I think, towards the end, um, obviously the deeper you get into the game, the more different variations you get. Of the I don't, There's a very late game um, enemy that is a fucking pain in the ass, uh, to say <laughs> the least. And so there is that occasionally. I think early combat is a bit overwhelming just because there's a lot more to it than you'd think there's going to be, and you can Mm -hmm. just get overwhelmed, like, very quickly. Yeah. Like that, and because your instinct is like, this is fun, dumb dumb game, must smash, must smash. And it's like, it's not how it works. You have to be tactical, and I think that's to its credit. You know, it's a game, and the more you get into the way the game actually plays, the more you just get rewarded for that. Um, I suppose... In another sort of minor the criticism, waypointing is a bit hit and miss in places. Like uh, sometimes it's generous, and you'll get like you'll come back not far away from where you were in the first place. Other times you're doing like whole sections that were a pain in the ass, and it's just I don't <laughs> don't want that. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, especially when it's the the more stressful ones. But yeah, I, I think otherwise. Yeah, that that's as far as I go in terms of criticism, and. Like I was saying before, the expansion is, you know, adds to the story, must play it after you finish the, the main game, really. Even because, you know, the story has meaning in that regard. But, yeah, I just love that it is just one big, like, you know, in the same way, like, controls the old house sort of thing. It's like, how does any of this fit in this fucking building sort of thing? Which, you know, <laughs> which is explained away right. in Control. Here it's like... This is supposed to just be like a, a beachside house, you know, in L.A., but it's got all these underground layers to it that are, and just weird stuff that's um, clearly been set up for, like, experiments. And, like, the way they play with the ideas of things you've already done, like, early on in that one, like the first sort of environment you get to go into because it's like you have a hub area and you go to this section and this section and this section very you know traditional sort of game design stuff but you go into that first area and it's literally just like a simulated suburban street thing like that like everyone's got they've got lawns and like these big houses and you yeah, lots and lots of signs saying keep off the grass <laughs> which it seems like you think okay, I'm going to try and keep off the grass. But of course you find out soon after that you have to touch the grass at some point to get through. But it, the way those environments are structured really make you think about how you traverse them um, and how you go about it with the skill step. Because at that point you've got pretty much all the stuff you earned from, you know, the main game and you are quite adept at what you're doing. But it's like, it does that new game plus thing of like, well, here's some more stuff we can throw at you. Um, but does it in a structural way you know, rather than just like these enemies are now tougher or whatever like that. Enemies are pretty much the same as ever. Just it's the way that they're given to you and the way you've got to confront them and do these puzzles and challenges turns it into this whole different game with the same mechanics, which is like really refreshing.
0: Yeah. You know, for me personally, I'm not somebody that typically picks up DLC unless it is directly story related um, just because I'm not the biggest like challenge room guy, right? When yeah. it comes to DLC for games. But with something like Dead Island 2, to hear that it both has the additional sort of gameplay aspect of it of like new challenges and things along those lines that plays with those variables and skill sets from the original, but there's also like a narrative part to it. Um, that makes me much more keen to kind of check it out. And again, with something like Dead Island 2, which I would say a majority of my enjoyment of it is with combat. To, just to get more of that in more of a variety of environments and perhaps, you know, new weapons, new um, sort of modifications for weapons, or even just outright skill set uh, yeah. or abilities, right? And, and locking them and whatnot. Um, that makes it much more appealing to me than most games because most games, it's like, yeah, sure, I might enjoy the combat, but it's not always sort of the end all be all of the experience for me. And again, when you're talking about Dead Island as a series, to take what was already you know promising but not certainly not perfect in the original Dead Island, and in the sequel, in my opinion, to like perfect that combat system in that gameplay. Um, it just it makes me even more excited to kind of dive into DLC in a way that I don't typically feel a lot of the time with yeah. games such as this. And I think that when you have already you know made LA apocalyptic and you play to the strengths of using that setting, to you know, see how much weirder perhaps they could get with it, or what other facets of that setting they could kind of have their creativity with. Because you know, I feel like DLC they could probably make take even bigger risks, right? Because it's yeah. like it's going to be more of a niche audience. You have to imagine there's going to be a drastic sort of uh, cutoff, I suppose, of people that bought the vanilla game and then they're going to actually take the time to dive into DLC. It's kind of just the nature of yeah. uh, games and whatnot. And if I would be excited to see just how weird. And how much in the weeds they can get with a DLC in this universe um, to kind of like play around with aspects of it that maybe wouldn't have been uh, at home in the base game because, you know, they have to keep in mind there's going to be a larger volume of people playing it. But now that they have maybe the more niche, hardcore audiences, how much can they really lean into that? Um, I suppose if we, you know, talking about criticisms of the game, really my only one is. For the most part, you know, I agree that, you know, towards the very end of the game, um, sometimes the special infected that you're dealing with can become a little, um, I suppose, tedious and sort of just running around in circles and trying to hit a weak spot and then dodging and that type of thing gets a little cumbersome when you're fighting more than one of them. But for me, like ranged combat and the guns really didn't do anything, which, you know, they felt uh, compared to just, you know, how... I suppose powerful the melee is in this game when you have the gun side of things. While it's fun to have, you know, a flame throw, a flame spitting shotgun, um, they just felt very weak and sort of not nearly as responsive as I would have liked. So they Mm -hmm. ended up being the thing that while I was running circles around certain enemies, I was like, yeah, I'll just take some pot shots and then really get into the thick of things with melee. Um, Which, if anything, you know, I said it's a negative, but it's like it just reinforces how strong the melee is combat is i think yeah. in this game I mean, uh, which is not not terrible to say because you know if i wasn't enjoying using a gun i could just run over and hit somebody with a sledgehammer and then drop kick him in the chest or something which was never not rewarding <laughs>
1: that's it and you know i think weapons like you know, guns work best in terms of like using them in the correct in elemental environments like to keep your distance and like say you know like combine the right things at the right time uh, um so yeah i don't they're never treated as primary because i think if that was the case they start outranking the melee stuff and that would change the game fundamentally so yeah i i get why you'd say that because they aren't like you know on a par with the with the melee weapons because the game has been designed with that in mind first but yeah, I, but definitely compared to what was in, like, the earlier Dead Islands and even Dying Light, I think it's um, definitely a more all-round. You know, I, I can see why Dying Light 2 kind of took them off the table entirely. Like, and apart from that, like, consumable that was, like, hit a, what, a single shot shotgun thing, a yeah. makeshift. And, you know, it worked for that world. It's like, yeah, we're, we live in a world where bullets are, like, not really a thing anymore. So we are going to lean into the melee stuff Uh, but yeah I think there's a compromise it's probably the best compromise we've seen and at least it plays into the overall sort of combat loop.
0: Before we wrap up were there other was there another facet of Dead Island 2 that we kind of skipped over that you thought um, either improved upon what was there in the original or just overall you know taking the Dead Island identity and then expanding on it in a way that um, was like meaningful to the overall
1: experience? Well you know what the side stories actually for me probably outstrip the main campaign yeah Yeah. I think you do just come across them and the people you get in them sometimes they can sort of join your little sort of group HQ stuff like that and there's just so many weird and different types you know there's a weird fanatic of someone who lives in the sewer Whereas all this stuff you have, like your typical sort of LA types, you know, from you know, muscle bound idiots to the vacant <laughs> influence of the types, and like go, like that um, section in the studio lot is like just has so much of that, you know, in terms of like who's doing this and that. And I love that there's so much personality in those sections, like um, going to that house in the hills with the like the stoned as fuck uh, biker dude. Yeah, so yeah. used to be a singer, <laughs> like that. That whole thing is just like the epitome of like do these arbitrary tasks for me sort of thing, like that. And you, that can be done so badly when you have one of those knowing sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge that we're giving you a really stupid task that you don't need to do sort of thing. But it's like I think it's balanced just well enough, and and it's absurd enough in within the context of the story being told. So yeah, like the side characters were just a constant delight you know and even when you got like got these one-off zombie fights against certain ones you know I think one of the early ones is against the bridezilla you know <laughs>
0: it's like, it's <laughs> yes. like,
1: yeah well in that small sort of wedding room pretty you know just stuff like that it just leaves a little smile on your face um and I think the whole preamble to that you know as you're going through that hotel where they really just build it up and it's like uh, yeah I it. That, that was like a very Dead Rising touch to the whole thing. And I think that's probably one of the things I like the most about this game is that it reminds me of Dead Rising in terms of like its humor and its stance on a zombie apocalypse where it's like, this is terrible and awful, but at the same time, I'm going to goof the fuck off throughout sort of thing like that. It, it finds that balance between the two quite well.
0: Yeah, and I think that that further just kind of speaks to this game being smaller scale than most people realize, but at the mm. same time in being smaller scale, it allows for just, I suppose more personality to shine through. It allows for these, these miniature moments that, you know, don't last very long, but they are much more memorable because of stuff like, you know, as you mentioned, the bridezilla moment, which you yeah. know, uh, was terrifyingly hilarious all in one sort of package to be dropped on the player and whatnot. Um, But, you know, I think that overall, you know, those side stories ultimately end up being more interesting because the main narrative kind of abides by that, uh, you know, at this point, this sort of like tried and uh, I don't know how true it is, but it's definitely, you know, the type of zombie narrative where it's like, oh, I've been bitten, but I'm immune somehow. And then trying to like that whole narrative, which is, you know, at this point, uh, a trope of the genre. So to have a games narrative that branches off and focuses on these smaller stories, these oddball characters and whatnot um, which you know channels dead rising as you mentioned but at the same time like still feels very much in line with its own identity and its own sensibilities from a storytelling standpoint but also even the weapon customization aspect and the sort of variety of ways in which you can manipulate that to use in combat with different environments and all of these things um, yeah it made my time with dead island too not that i was surprised to enjoy it because you know you'd been championing it so much and uh, typically that's a pretty good uh, indicator of whether or not i'm going to enjoy something but uh, I just, I'm so consistently surprised by the level of craft and quality here, just because of, again, you know, when you thinking back to my time with the original Dead Island, I enjoyed that game because I was playing with friends. But as soon as that element is removed, it's a game that has some unique ideas that then ends up being pretty flawed by technical limitations or just a lack of polish overall. And for Dead Island 2 to be as polished as it is, and then at the same time to be, you know, an experience that can be enjoyed on its own merits in single player. But at the same time, I mean, playing with a couple of buddies over the course of the last week and a half and replaying the sections I had already played with a new character to meet them where they were at. Um, it wasn't the type of fatigue sometimes that I've experienced in that mm. regard um, because of the fact that, you know, it has a whole new facet to combat when you're playing with buddies, right? The fact you can attack modifications and weapons differently or skill sets differently to play off of one another or just based on who they're choosing to play as, as a character with their own skill set and these things. um, It ended up for, again, you know, you mentioned it, a experience that going into it, you assume it's going to be this mindless hack and slash, but the further you get into the game, which doesn't take very long, it becomes apparent that you cannot approach it that way. And there's actually Mm. a lot more strategic sort of um, approaches you can take to combat and must take to combat, whether it's based on a specific infected style, whether it's your current build or just, you know, the ways in which you kind of need to survey your landscape and environments a bit more, uh, otherwise, especially later in the game when you get to sur- these, you know, continual, uh, destructive elemental playgrounds. Um, it's the type of game that I, I, uh, hesitate to refer to as a thinking man's hack and slash, but it's just, it's very refreshing to have the energy of a hack and slash, but you have to put a little bit more thought into it because otherwise yeah. it'd be the type of experience where I don't know within, seven or eight hours, I'm like, okay, I'm hitting a lot of these same beats. There's not a lot of thought to this. I might as well just be doing whatever in the background while I'm playing. And with this game, it's like, you really can't do that for a majority of no. the run time. And even in those final hours, whether the difficulty is uh, perhaps maybe a little artificial in terms of how it gets cranked up, uh, it still has plenty of challenge. And it never became an experience that I was uh, sort of half in, half out type of thing. I was definitely in that for the long haul, and I'm super excited to dive into that uh, DLC that you were talking about. Mm.
1: Yeah, definitely worth your time. And it's like, I mean, that in itself was like a second surprise on top of everything. Just like, okay, they've done something different, you know, bold. I think, you know, the people who did play it, and especially in reviews and stuff, I think, did, you know, champion it for that. It's like, whoa, it's like there's something here. I think that's because it was like really the first time Danvers got to do entirely what they wanted mm. to do. Compared to, you know, know, as much as this is their game, and you know, they mostly built this from the ground up, you know, the remit behind it isn't theirs initially, you know, the the LA stuff, all that, you know, that was after, that was there baked in from what they promised in the first place. Um, But yeah, I mean, in in closing on this game, you think of the games um, that had these long gestating times and how they've turned out. And it yeah, you know, the hit rate isn't great. You know, you're Duke you come forevers. you aliens, plenty of marines. Uh, they they aren't so good. Then you have stuff like The Last Guardian, yeah, you know, which was a game that was just delayed forever. Divisive when it came out, but I think generally now perceived as a bit of a fucking masterpiece. You know, it's beautiful and deserves to be up there with Ico and Shadow of the Colossus in terms of being mentioned. And this... Yeah, for contextually, you know, for this game, I think it is that more of that side of it. You know, it's not only doing what the games it's based on you know, did, but it's doing them better and you know, learning new tricks and trying different things. And I do like this idea that developers who've had this very first-person shooter space in mind in their sort of legacy, if you will, branching out into things are a bit more you know I think we've just seen like this week the trailer for Machine Games um, Indiana Jones game mm-hmm. and it's like it was kind of like an immersive sim by the people who made Wolfenstein it's like I'm there for that I know this is being like the evolution of what Dan Buster have done with Crytek and helping out on Crisis games and all that it's like I see it I, I see how they've taken elements of like those different things, and like applied them to, we don't have to do games just like this, do we? We can make it like this and like that. And mm-hmm. like that, I think, slowly but surely, in a certain space, we are kind of getting that more. And I think, and we yeah. talk at length about how indies help that out, but yeah, they really do because yeah, I think we are seeing like a mini rena- renaissance of, um, you know, traditionally first person shooter types getting out there and making these games that are going to be refreshing and different and interesting. I I hope Dan Buster get to do something different now that's theirs from the start. Um, If Deep Silver and their parent company don't just cut another few companies uh, in the meantime, of course. But uh, we can hope that that doesn't happen this time.
0: Yeah, well, you know, thinking about the fact that uh, all those years ago in college when I was kind of having drunken fun with the original to something that got delivered and basically was not only the best version of what the original could have, should have been, um, Mm. but to just, you know, as you said, kind of hopefully the success from this game will empower them and give them the sort of stature, if you will, to pursue something that is theirs 100% creatively from the outset, um, kind of just is exciting from a studio side of things and to seeing how they can kind of use that creativity that was already based in something that previously existed and just run sort of completely free with it uh, in their own right. But next week, we're going to be switching up gears from a first-person mm. zombie slasher into something that is a lot more different, a lot more decision-based, and that would be Slay the Princess, um, which, you know, is a game that uh, had been on our radar last year because we had, you know, a friend of the show, Aaron Boehm, uh had told us some pretty, you know, based on his review, but also chatting with him, just like a game that really stood out to him, yeah. um, which, you know, if uh you know a friend of ours kind of says like oh this is something worth your time like we definitely take notice of that so i'm very excited to dive into that game in some depth with you next week uh but until then it has been a pleasure chatting with you for safe room back at you
1: until the next time
0: thank you for listening to another episode of safe room if you enjoy the show please rate us on itunes and follow us on twitter at safe room pod for show updates as always our main episodes for safe room drop every monday but our bite-sized episodes of Horror Bites, our Indie Horror Showcase, drop every Thursday. You can follow Horror Bites' Twitter account, at Horror Bites underscore SR. You can join our Discord channel, Safe Room Podcast, to chat with us and other horror fans about the genre we all love. And finally, you can send emails to saferoompod at gmail.com if you'd like to share your thoughts on a game we have or are going to cover. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next Monday.